0: i actually as i was praying i felt the lord give me a picture of a key in the hand of every single person a key that will actually unlock the level of intimacy that we have with the lord because that's something that johannes knows that i've been praying in my own life that i've been pursuing as jock spoke last week and even as johannes spoke the week before it's interesting that god is doing something we don't share beforehand what are we what are we preaching about we just see god Taking a golden thread of a theme through every time we prepare and, and bring the word. And this morning I want to talk about a topic that I think we all know about. But the question is what is our revelation in our heart of hearts about this topic? We sing about God's amazing grace, but has His grace changed our life from the inside out? Because if we have a revelation of God's grace, What grace really means, what the Bible really refers to when it speaks about God's grace, it'll not only change our relationship with the Lord, it'll also change our relationships with one another. And, okay, so I'm going to talk about why is God's grace so amazing. Amen? We sing the song, this is amazing grace. That's why I'm not on the worship team. But, you know, His grace is amazing. We sing it, but, but do, we, do we understand what is he actually referring to when he speaks about grace? And I want to start off with this. We received a couple of prophetic words before we moved to Namibia, and if you've been in our church for two years, you've heard every one of them. But one of the ones that I often refer back to, that we often share with our team, that we often focus on and remind ourselves, what is it, Lord, that you actually want to do here? It is a word that we received on our wedding day. Our whole wedding day was a prophecy about a church in Namibia, praise the Lord. But this was the prophetic word. Listen to the words of this. The word was, this church, this house will be a house of grace. Where lost sons and daughters will come home. And it's not about the lost son coming home, but about the good father waiting for them. A house of grace and about the good father waiting for them and that is what I want to talk about this morning and God has been stirring my heart on this theme of grace even this week thank you very much for everyone's love and everyone's uh, congratulations and messages in the week as I was celebrating my birthday and my husband spoiled me greatly and we were at this restaurant and I did think he dipped, did tip them off that it was a birthday that we were celebrating, but he didn't tell them anything else and they baked the cake and they shared the cake. They brought the cake to our table and they shared it with everyone else in the restaurant and this lady who baked it, the chef, I could tell she was a Christian because she was seen to be about God's grace as they were bringing the cake, which I wasn't expecting. And then she wrote this on the cake. She said, the year of God's grace. <coughs> And she had no idea that we were even pastors she had no idea what i was preaching on and i was actually asking the lord lord there's many things i want to preach about faith there's many topics always stirring in my heart but i feel the sense i need to share about grace can you give me just a confirmation here she comes with a cook <laughs> the Year of god's grace i was like that's it have you got any idea what you just wrote on that guy so what a blessing that was and we're going to talk about grace today Amen. Why don't you turn your Bibles to John 1. You're going to be reading through John 1 if you're starting with words Club. John 1, verse 17. John 1, verse 17.
1: And I'm, of course, going to read through the Amplified this
0: morning. And it says this For the law was given through Moses, but grace, everyone say grace, grace, the unearned undeserved favor of god and truth came through jesus christ look at that word grace is explained as the unearned undeserved favor of god and that hebrew word if by the way who's following the notes on you version if you've got your phone every week we put the notes on there not because we're looking for something extra to do we really want to encourage you to look through those scriptures and what's nice about Uvision vision is you can switch through translations okay i'm always going to be thank you karel if you don't know how to get to Uvision, vision ask karel okay. we used to call children in school that's always on top of it okay so i've written in there the notes also the hebrew word you know the old testament was written in hebrew the hebrew word for that word grace there's many scriptures that also refer, there's a beautiful scripture actually in Zechariah, uh, 12 verse 10, I think somewhere there, where, where the Lord says, I will pour out my spirit of grace upon my people. It was actually referring to the Holy Spirit coming through Jesus. Mm-hmm. Spirit of grace. Now that word grace in the Old Testament in the Hebrew refers to kind. And that means favor, graciousness. Kindness, beauty, pleasantness, loveliness, affectionate regard. Isn't that beautiful? And the root word actually means to act mercifully towards someone, to be compassionate and to be favorably inclined. Who wants favor of God? Let's study grace. Not just hear about it let's study grace because it actually refers to being favorably inclined from the lord towards us and in the greek in the new testament that word is the word that paul often uses is charis which is actually pronounced charis charis you spell it charis and it means something similar charis it means favor blessing kindness pleasure delight benefit The state of kindness and favor towards someone. Listen to this. The merciful kindness by which God turns us to Christ. And He keeps and He strengthens and He increases us in our Christian faith. It refers to a spiritual condition of one governed by the power of divine grace. Right, so if you do a proper study on grace, you'll notice that there are two main headings, two main meanings of the word grace as it's presented to us in scripture. And we're gonna talk about only the one today because we don't have enough time. I would love to continue all day, but some people probably have lunch planned. So we're gonna talk about the first one today, and then next week we're gonna continue this topic of grace, and we're gonna talk about the second meaning. And the first meaning is this, the team can put up the slide. The first meaning is, the undeserved, unearned favor of God. Grace is a gift from God that we cannot earn and that we do not deserve. Did you hear that this morning? It is a free gift that we cannot earn. In other words, we cannot work for it, but we also don't deserve it. If you turn your Bibles to Romans 3, verse 24, Romans 3 verse 24 says the following. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul speaking and he's talking about the Jews and the Gentiles. So he's doing a comparison between the two and he says there is no distinction between Jew and Gentile. Since all of us have sinned and continually fall short of the glory of God. And verse 24, and are being justified, declared free of the guilt of sin, made acceptable to God... Here's the second image. And granted eternal life as a gift. Everyone say gift. A gift. A gift. By His precious, undeserved grace. Through the redemption, the payment of our sin, which is provided in Jesus Christ. Now, the topic of grace is a deep topic. So it's, it would be very difficult for us to actually go to the depth of it this morning, but I want to focus on this one point today, that it is undeserved, unearned gift from God. It is something that we have to receive by faith. Amen? We have to believe what that word grace means, that God loves us, that God has out of His love and out of His grace poured out The sacrifice for our sins so that we didn't have to do it are you following this morning the second meaning is this and this is what we will talk about next week and this is very powerful the second meaning of grace is it is the empowerment power for living divine enablement that allows us to live this life in victory Did you know that grace was actually the power for you to live out your Christian life? It is power. I'm very excited for next week, but let's get through today. There's a a heading in one of my translation Bibles that says this. It says, grace overpowers sin. When you study the topic of grace, Grace is actually the power to not live in sin. But first of all, we need to receive that grace before we can walk in the grace. But the grace is always available. In one translation, it says that Jesus Christ has given us grace upon grace upon grace. But the bigger our revelation is on that grace, the more powerfully we will walk in that grace. The more our lives will actually reflect His mercy, reflect His goodness, and the more victory we will have over the sinful nature that we tend to struggle with so much. I mean, does that make sense this morning? I'm not going to go into that today, although this is I'm really excited about it. But I want to read two scriptures to you that proves this point:
1: that grace is
0: power. Okay, the first one is this. Go to two Corinthians. It's also in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9. Again, this is Paul, and we all know this scripture, but look at it in the Amplified. The Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. The second one. For my power, everyone's power oh. is being perfected and is completed and shows itself most effectively in your weakness. Who loves to quote that scripture? You know, God's, God's power is strong in my weakness. It's talking about his grace. What is his grace? His loving kindness and his mercy. When I understand that I am totally forgiven and His mercy has washed over me, I will walk in power. Listen to this. This is a key that I believe will change our lives. Acts 4 verse 33. Acts 4 verse 33. And with great ability and power, everyone say power. Power. The apostles were continuously testifying to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Oh, this is good. And great grace God's remarkable loving-kindness favor and good will rested richly upon them What enabled them to walk in power and with great ability? God's great grace His mercy his loving-kindness his goodness Do you know how many believers walk around thinking that God is angry and hateful towards them? As I was studying this, I was like, Lord, why do we often see a powerless church? It's because we don't understand grace. We don't understand grace. We don't have a revelation, a deep inner understanding of what our salvation means, what the gracious gift of grace actually means for us. And the beauty of it is that it's just something we need to receive. But oftentimes we struggle with it so much. How many times when someone gives you a gift, do you go, and I'm talking to myself, I'm preaching to the converted this morning, do you go, oh no, you shouldn't have done that. Oh, we struggle to receive. We will only receive something if we think we've earned it, if we've worked for it, if we've proved ourselves worthy to receive it. Isn't that true? you know we do that with the Lord and all he wants is to hand us this gift of grace and he says it's free we'll talk about what what about grace is free and what about obedience is maybe not but today I want to focus on grace is free his mercy is free we need to receive it we just need to believe I mean It'll change our life. It'll change the way we walk. It'll change the way we talk. It'll change our intimacy with the Lord. It'll change how we operate in our gifts. It'll change the way we relate to other believers. And it'll actually change the way that people see the church. Because I don't know about you, but the church is way too judgmental. We need to understand grace in order to also give grace. We can't give what we haven't received. Amen? Is it good this morning? Are you encouraged? This is amazing grace. This is why we sing the song. Grace is this. It's a gift that God gives us that we do not have to earn. We do not have to work for it. And we do not deserve it. God already knew what mistakes we would make long before we were even born but he still chose us he still chose you know you can think back on your life and think oh you know i wouldn't have done that for me if i was you who's ever thought that you don't have to say (laughs) i don't we can be so hard on ourselves but when god offers us forgiveness when he offers us reconciliation with him when he offers us abundant life we need to talk a lot about abundant life. When he offers us eternal treasure, his Holy Spirit, and a life with him forever, that is called grace. And before we go any further, I want to give this subclause. You know, sometimes I've heard many pastors talk about why they don't often preach on grace. Because a lot of people think that when we talk about grace. Immediately we go to this concept of well, if you talk, if you preach too much grace, then people are gonna think that it'll give them it'll give them a license to sin. Okay. We are not even going to tolerate that mindset this morning. And I say this with the greatest of love as the mother of the house. We grace means I'm not sin conscious. It means I'm grace conscious. If we are not gonna preach about grace and we're not Again, grace is not a license to sin. We'll talk about that next week. We'll talk about the difference between grace and the law and all of that. It goes into a much deeper discussion. That's not what we're talking about today. But you know, if, if you don't understand and receive a revelation of God's grace and you receive the gift of grace, you will never walk in victory. You will always struggle with sin. So how can we not preach grace? when grace is what Jesus Christ is. Grace is not a doctrine, grace is a person, I mean, Grace is Jesus Christ. So a pain as ek word, mense sê, moe oor grace, moe nie oor genade preek nie. Church, we need grace, we need genade, we need buckets and buckets and loads full of it, amen? I I'm getting excited this morning. Alright, go to Ephesians 2 verse 8. I don't have this team on the screen, but when I was really praying through the word, the Lord broke open this scripture to me last night. And I'm going to read it to you. You can read it in your Bible. I think I added it in U version because I was so excited. Ephesians 2 verse 8. Again, we know this scripture, but I'm going to take you through the Amplified. For it is by grace, God's remarkable compassion and favor, drawing you to Christ. That you have been saved, actually delivered from judgment and given eternal life through faith. And this salvation is not of yourselves, in other words, not through your own effort, but it is the undeserved, gracious gift of God. I'm going to say those words repeatedly this morning. The undeserved, unearned, gracious gift of God. And you know the scripture says that it is by grace that you have been saved and the Amplified explains saved as delivered from judgment and eternal death. Do you know tonight we're doing our second training session with our Wimka team. We are, praise the Lord, leaving next Monday the 16th of May. Please pray for us. It's gonna be fantastic. But you know, we are talking with the team about the gospel and we are focusing on how do we explain the gospel to someone who's maybe never heard it have you ever been in a position where you had to explain to someone the gospel and felt overwhelmed
1: like where do you even start if you've grown up with jesus
0: and you know the bible stories and you know the story of the cross sometimes it's really overwhelming to know where do i even start to explain to someone who's never heard of jesus like where do i start How do I explain the Bible in five minutes? (laughs) But it's very important that we understand what the gospel is. Mm -hmm. It's important that we understand what grace is. It's the gospel of grace, by the way. Because we need to be able to all be evangelists. You don't need to have the title or the office of an evangelist to be an evangelist. We are all called to be witnesses for Christ. Mm -hmm. And that word, saved, means to be delivered from judgment and eternal death. So I need to be able to explain to someone, why do you need to be saved? I want to tell you about Jesus. I, and I've been there. This was so embarrassing. I went on one of my first outreaches. We would, in Cape Town, we would have outreach ministry on a Friday night, and you would go to the busiest party street in Cape Town, Long Street in town. Who knows Long Street in Cape Town? I'm not going to ask how you know now with a bible and lots of prayer because you're probably the only sober person on the street number one and i was you you prep yourself you work yourself up and you're like okay you're going to tell people about jesus and we're going to evangelize Cape Town, and you go out and one of the first ladies i went to i said you know we're just here telling people about jesus and why you need to be saved and you know can i tell you about jesus and she said to me, why? And all of a sudden I was like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why I want to tell you about Jesus. Because immediately I realized I have to explain the gospel. I could tell she had no idea of the gospel. She had no idea who Jesus was. Why does she need to hear about Jesus? I don't know. <sighs> I'll never forget it. It was, it was <laughs> Anyway, so the good team, be prepared. Alright, but we need to understand the gospel of grace so that we can explain to people, why do you need to be saved? Because if you are not saved, if you do not receive the grace of God, you will actually have eternal death. And I'm not saying we should go around, turn or burn, turn or burn. Not at all, please. We need to, you know the goodness of God, the Bible says, will lead us to repentance. Again, what does that refer to? The goodness of God is what? His grace. Grace will lead people to repentance, not us pointing out sins. Amen? In the New Testament, the Apostle Paul talks a lot about grace, and especially in the book of Romans. Romans is a very technical, it can be a complicated book once you start to study it. I've been trying to study Romans and Often I will run to Johannes because there's a lot of doctrine in there and, you know, it's grace and the law and different things. But in essence, I've learned that that word charis, the Greek word that we talked about earlier, that Paul uses to explain grace, was a word that they referred to for an ancient system called patronage. Has anyone ever heard about that? Patronage. It's an, it's an ancient system in the Roman culture of the day. Remember when Paul wrote those letters, when he wrote Romans, he had a mixed audience of people that really understood the Roman culture of the day. So that word was a word to explain God's grace. He chose to use that word that was commonly used for this system called patronage. Now, patronage as a system worked like this it was a patron client relationship. Now, a patron was someone in society that was really powerful, they were really influential, they had a lot of money, they were kind of like the heavyweights in society. A client would be maybe someone on the opposite end of the scale. You know, if we are, for example, if you want to buy a house, you can go to the bank and you can apply for a loan. Back in those days, they didn't have a system like that. So a client, someone maybe who was in a lot of financial debt or they needed money for something, they would often look towards a patron, a wealthy person in society who would give them the gift of money. And in most cases, 99 to 100% of the time, this is according to scholars that I've read, the client would never be able to repay that money, to repay that loan, if you will. So, in this patronage system, it was called a gift. And in return, for the patron's gift, the client would form a lifelong relationship with them, and they would do life together. They would be loyal to one another. There was obviously people who abused this system, but in general, Paul was referring to this client-patron relationship to explain grace. To explain that his grace is similar to what the gift that the patron would give the client. That the client would never ever be able to repay. Which means in our context, we can never repay what Jesus has done for us on the cross. That's why he did it. Because we could never pay for our own sins. That's why Jesus came to do it. Are you still tracking with me this morning? That is the picture of amazing grace. They would enter into a mutual agreement, trust relationship with a powerful dynamic. If you go deeper into that study of that culture of the day, it would also mean that whatever if he was my patron, <laughs> it's my patron, <laughs> if he was my patron, I would have access to everything that he had. Similar to a marriage, <laughs> mine is yours. <laughs> then, I would have access to everything he has. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> I don't mean this. I mean we have access to everything that Jesus died for us to have. I mean, I'm seeing I'm, I'm leading you off track here this morning. Um, okay, this is a picture of a rising Christ. Okay, it's a free gift we receive that we can never repay. And I want to read one, there were many examples of grace. I got so excited, I, you know, there's a hundred examples in the Bible, but i want to take us back to a parable that Jesus taught that everyone knows. And it's a parable that actually links to our prophetic word, the parable of the lost son. So if you want to go to Luke 15, we're going to read through that this morning. Luke 15 and it is in verse 20 to 24. Now, if you know the parable of the lost son, and you know this whole context of the book of uh, the gospel of Luke, he was telling three stories of where Jesus taught three parables, all linking to something that was lost. There was the, last, the parable of the lost coin, the parable of the lost sheep, and then the lost son. And Jesus knew that in his audience, He was not only talking to his disciples or to followers who were following him and believing what he taught, but he was also talking to the religious leaders of the day. He was also talking to the Pharisees, people whose heart's conditions were very, very far from Jesus and his kingdom. So, always when Jesus was telling parables, he was explaining kingdom principles
1: in a way that you
0: really needed to dig in to understand what he was trying to teach, what he was trying to say. And so in this parable, there was a father and he had two sons. There was the youngest son who asked his father, begged his father, demanded that he receive his inheritance even before his dad passed away. Couldn't wait. Before dad died, I want my inheritance, please. And he took this inheritance, and he went and squandered it and lived this crazy wild life with prostitutes and all sorts of crazy things. And he ended up losing everything, and he had to go find work, and he went to go work for a farmer, and then he ended up in a pigsty. And when he was in the middle of the pigsty, he realized, you know what, even the workers on my dad's farm are being better treated than what I am being treated right now. But then he also had the older son. And we're going to talk about the oldest son now in a moment. So that's the background, and we're going to pick it up from verse 20. And it says this. This is talking about the youngest son. So he got up out of the big star and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Bring a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and is alive again. He was lost, and is found. And so they began to celebrate. And it's a beautiful story, if you just focus on the lost son, and it's a beautiful picture of us being lost in the world, and then we get reconciled, we receive the gift of grace, and we get reconciled to the Father, and heaven celebrates. You know that heaven rejoices every time a sinner gives their heart to the Lord. And when I say sinner, I mean all of us, you know. When we get saved, heaven actually celebrates. But the story continues. If you read a little bit further, and I didn't put it on the screen, but maybe I'll just read a portion of it. There was still the oldest son. And it continues in verse 24, and you can read along in your Bible. It says, now his oldest son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come, and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fattened calf. Verse 28 says, but he, the oldest son, was angry. He was angry and would not go in. So the father came out and pleaded with him, and he answered and said to his father, these many years, I have been serving, I've been serving you, I have never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came, not his brother, not my brother, this son of yours, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatten cow for him and the father said to him son you are always with me all that i have is yours it was right that we should make mary be glad for your brother was dead and is alive again he was lost and now he has been found And you know what was really profound for me when i actually studied this passage i realized that we always focus on the younger son we always focus on what he had did and you know his many sins and But he repented and he actually came back to the father. And the grace that he received from his father led him back to a place of relationship and reconciliation. But the older son sat with resentment. The older son thought that he could work for his father's love and his father's grace and his father's acceptance. So if you take a deeper look at this passage, both were actually prodigal sons. And many of us find ourselves in this place where either we relate with the oldest son or some of us relate with the youngest son. But the danger to me is when we find ourselves in the place of the oldest son. Would you agree? We find ourselves in the place of the oldest son Where we think, but I've always done this. I have never done this. I have never done that. You know, I've never squandered the living like that. I've never thrown away money. I've never, you know, spent time with prostitutes. I've never done that. When we find ourselves with that heart condition, we actually move to a place called legalism. And this is, when you study the meaning of this passage, this was one of the main things that Jesus tried to bring across to the religious leaders of the day, to the Pharisees of the day, because their hearts were inclined towards legalism. They thought, similar to the oldest son, that, but we've never done that.
1: We deserve
0: that gift. We deserve that undeserved (coughs) gift because we've never done that. Do you know how legalism sometimes manifests in our hearts or how it manifests in our behavior? It's when we find ourselves in that place where we look at someone else with an obvious sinful life and we think, but at least I've never done that. That's sometimes what can happen in our hearts. And the problem is when that manifests in our hearts, it closes us off to receive His grace. It's a layer that forms over our heart, and Jesus was trying to teach the Pharisees of the day. The moment you realize you are not worthy, the moment you realize that my grace is more than the sins you are subconscious conscious of, then you are ready to receive my grace. When you know you don't deserve it, that's when you are in a place where you can receive it. I Amen. The Pharisees, like the oldest son, were trusting in a works-based religion to save them. They thought that they were worthy, but they were judging others, not realizing that they were actually carrying much more weight in their own hearts with that legalism. Does that make sense this morning? I know it's going deep, but it's good. You know, the word cuts through both ways to bring us healing and to make us go deeper with the Lord. Legalism looks like this. When we focus on works to save us, and we can't accept that we just need faith. You know, nothing you and I can do can earn God's favor, nothing. You can tick all the boxes, you can go to word school. you can serve on every team, you can go on every outreach, you can attend church every Sunday, you can read your Bible and pray every day, it'll not earn you God's grace. God's goodness and God's mercy. Yes, obedience brings a blessing. But the moment we think all of those things can save us, those things can bring grace into our life, we've missed it. And sometimes the Lord just will want to come and realign us again to remember that it's just faith. I just need to believe. That's what the Bible says. I just need to believe it's a free gift that I must just receive. Can look, like, can look like this. We can't celebrate when other people receive grace when we believe they haven't earned it. I've been there. But Lord, it's unfair. Do you know that in God's kingdom, He doesn't work with fair? I remember my brother and I used to be very focused on fair. If he got something that I didn't get, there was good I would immediately run to my mom and say, why did he get it and I didn't? Because I was always the pliggy. He was more naughty than I was. So I was literally the oldest son in many of my childhood memories. But why did he? Who's heard this from your children? Mama, mama, can cry, Dad? How can cry? we can be like that with the Lord. And the Lord says, there's even that beautiful parable that I also wanted to bring in, but we don't have time. <laughs> where it talks about the wages and some people came and they only worked for one hour and they got the same wages as someone who worked all day i was like lord that is unfair god goes that is my grace he doesn't work with fairness in the kingdom he works by grace when we are judgmental over other sins and we compare ourselves against their sins When we lack joy, or when we live under constant guilt and condemnation, where we constantly wake up thinking and feeling like God is angry with us, God is mad at me, I've messed up again. No, it's not the truth. That's not what your Bible says. That means I need a revelation of grace. Because grace will empower me to live above sin. Yes, God hates sin, but He loves grace. When we are more sin conscious than we are grace conscious and both were prodigal sons the younger brother obviously abused grace and we're going to talk about that next week okay he abused grace obviously he had a loving father he had all the provision he had everything that he needed yet he went on this journey of self-discovery nearly destroying himself and then when he was at his lowest he realized okay i've missed it but God's grace was there. But the older brother was also a prodigal. He thought he earned his inheritance by working, by being good, by doing the right things. I should be getting that celebration. You've never done that for me. And the father says, but you've always had it. It's always been here. And so this morning I want to pray for something. Both brothers needed a revelation of grace. And so you can close your eyes this morning. and I'm just going to pray for some people today. And as I said in the beginning, I really believe that God wants to put some keys in people's hands today. Keys in your heart. That will unlock that intimacy that we desire with the King. That will unlock the power that we are needing in our life to live victoriously, to live above our sinful desires, to live above the things of this world. The first group of people I want to pray for is if you are here this morning and maybe you relate to the younger brother. Where maybe you walked once with the Lord or maybe you've never walked with the Lord and you had everything. You had a good relationship with the Lord, everything went well, but somehow, some way, you lost your way. Like the younger brother, you gave up everything that you had to pursue (coughs) worldly desires. To go on a journey of self-discovery, but you've realized you didn't discover anything but problems. But lack of joy. But lack of power. But lack of relationship with the Lord. And the Lord says, I am the good father, ready and waiting for you. I want to pour out my grace on you so that you will live another type of life. If you relate to that younger brother this morning and
1: maybe you've never
0: entered into a relationship with the Lord, number one, or number two, you've just lost your way. You don't have that intimacy that you once had with the Lord. You don't feel like you and the Lord are in a good relationship right now. You feel far from Him. Well, everyone's eyes are closed, I just want you to gently raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you out. I just want you to gently raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And then a second group of people. Maybe you are sitting here this morning and you are relating to the older brother. You feel like you've done everything well in life, but inside you know you are trying to earn God's love. You never feel that that what you do is good enough. You feel like you always need to do more, and it's almost like you feel like God is never satisfied with your efforts. You you never reach that point where you feel at peace, where you feel content, where you feel like. You wake up in the morning and you know that you know that you know that god is pleased with you and he loves you whether you've messed up yesterday or not where you're so conscious of your sin that you struggle to connect with the lord because you are looking at your sin and you think god is also only looking at your sin and therefore you can't see him if that is you this morning and you relate to that older brother i want you to raise your hand because some things are about to break this morning amen father i thank you this morning that you see every hand in this room and i actually can we stand sometimes sometimes when we pray what we do physically brings a release in the spiritual atmosphere. So I want you, if you've raised your hand, or just everybody, everybody, just raise your hands towards heaven. And keep your eyes closed. And I pray that you focus on the Father this morning. Focus on the Lord and what He wants to speak to you today. And Lord, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you that your spirit is here. I thank you that every person that is here in this room, you ordained them to be here this morning because you knew that you had an appointment with each one of us. And I want to pray over every person who is here this morning and they said, I am far away from the Lord. I don't actually know that I've ever been in a relationship with the Lord. And the Father is here saying, I am the good Father. I am waiting for you. I have already killed the fattened calf for you. For your sin. And the blood of Jesus has washed you clean. All I want to give you this morning is the gift of grace. And I want you to receive it by faith. I don't want you to think of what you've done. I just want you to receive it by faith this morning. And I want us to pray as a group together for the few people that raise their hands. And you can repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. I thank, you today I thank you today that you are the grace giver. You are the grace giver. I, realize today I realize today that I have been far, away from you. I've been far away from you. You want to give me the gift of grace. You want to give me the gift of grace.
1: And today,
0: and today I, recognize I recognize that I'm a sinner. That I'm a sinner. And I, and I am in desperate need for your grace, for your, grace, for your, forgiveness, for your forgiveness, and for your love. For your so, today, so today, I accept you, I accept you as, my as my Lord and Savior. And I ask you, I ask you by faith, by faith to, come to come into my heart and to come and change my life, and to and change my life. radically. I will, follow you. I will follow you. I will listen to your voice. I will listen to your voice. And I want to ask, you I'm going to ask you to make me like you. To make me like you. I receive it by faith. I receive it by faith. And now I want to pray for a second group of people. If you are here and you felt like the older brother, I want you to repeat after me, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, I can never earn. your grace grace. I don't deserve it it. but I want to receive it I I thank you that it is a gift and I ask you you, by faith faith, faith. to help me to let let go of works to let go of of my self-effort and to receive it to know that I am forgiven. Doesn't matter if I mess up today. Your grace will empower me to live above my circumstances, to live above sin, and to reign victoriously in this life. Pour out your grace on me afresh. Now just receive it in faith thank you lord lord i ask that you will continue to pour out your spirit of grace and intercession upon all of us this morning lord i pray that you will continue to dig into our hearts lord and give us a fresh revelation lord a deep understanding of your grace Lord, so that it is not only a gift that we receive by faith lord but it is something that will empower us Will Give us grace upon grace upon grace to do what you've called us to do. Lord, that will transform us from the inside out. That when we wake up in the morning, we will know that our Father is pleased with us. Yes, Lord, you will correct us. Yes, Lord, you will guide us. Yes, you will convict us. But we will grow from strength to strength and glory to glory when we focus and when we eat and receive from your grace every single day. So, Father, I want to pray a blessing over every person this morning. I want to pray that grace upon grace upon grace will rest richly upon us, upon every individual, upon every family, upon this church, Lord. That we will let the apostles move in ability and might and power because your grace will rest upon us. In Jesus' name, we thank you today. Amen. Amen.
1: I made it.